Hello, welcome back to another episode of She's in Tech.、Uh, today we have a lot of lovely people today with us. I'm Maria Loza. You can find me on Twitter with the handler of this underscore underscore Maria. I am a software engineer with this thought.、Um, this is my third year now in the industry. I'm pretty excited, and I would like to pass it on to Christina. Hi, everyone. My name is Christina. I'm a software engineer at a hedge fund. Previously at PayPal, my, my Twitter handler is Christina C H R I S T I N A Y U one two three. Hi everyone, my name is Daisy Nolan. I left my marketing job to teach myself how to code, and now I'm a front-end software engineer.、Uh, so yeah, I've been doing this professionally for about like ten months now. So still pretty green, but you can follow me on Twitter at Daisy underscore Nolan,、um, as well as、uh, LinkedIn and GitHub Daisy underscore Nolan. Hi, I'm Cecilia Martinez.、Uh, my pronouns are she/her. I am a technical account manager at Cyprus, and we are a kind of software testing framework and services. And I am actually I graduated from a boot camp in 2019 at, at Georgia Tech. And you can find me on Twitter at Cecilia Creates, and that's C E C E L I A, and then the word Creates. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid sixty bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to one hundred and twenty bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of, who wanted me to do development work for them, because I had done that kind of work, or talked about, or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates, and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire; they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. That was a lovely introduction, everyone. I did hear a possible segue from Daisy about her background,、uh, transitioning from other careers into tech.、Uh, Daisy and Cecilia and Christina,、um, would you be able to share with more information about that? Yeah, I can、uh, talk more about that. So,、uh, my degree is in、uh, communications with concentration in public relations and marketing. And so my background was working for nonprofits, doing their public relations and marketing, and pretty much jack of all trades. You know,、um, nonprofits you have to wear multiple hats. Even though I, I love fundraising and giving back, it was something that I didn't see as a career.、Uh, I didn't find passion in it, and I kind of jumped around from job to job, just like experimenting to see if I liked it.、Um, my husband is a software engineer, and suggested. I, you know, learn、um, how to code, and I first I, you know, didn't think I'd be good at it, and I just kind of like laughed it off. But I fell in love, and I found that passion that I was looking for. And so, yeah, my educ like I immediately left my job and was like, okay, I'll, you know, wa- watch YouTube and Udemy, and you know, like have all these like there's so many resources online. So just you know thought I would, yeah, teach myself how to do it. 
That's really neat. I have a kind of a similar background, JC, and I'm, I'm always really impressed by people who are able to teach themselves because, you know, I ended up doing a boot camp, but I, my undergraduate degree is in public communication. So kind of similar. I actually ended up doing journalism for a while, but one of the courses that I took was web development. Like back then it was HTML, CSS, and Flash, like, you know, um, and I always kind of kept up with building WordPress sites and things like that throughout the years for friends. And um, and like I said, I was a journalism. I was a journalist at a, at a newspaper, and then I kind of from there went into into financial services. Worked at companies like TD Bank, TD Meritrade, Fidelity Investments. While I was there, I got my MBA in marketing. So kind of still along the same kind of vein. Like I definitely love communication. I love working with people. I love solving problems. And when I came to Atlanta, I started to teach myself JavaScript, kind of got involved with the local tech communities like Women Who Code and, um, you know, ended up doing the boot camp because I was teaching myself and it was going well, but I really just kind of needed something to get me like over the edge. So I'm always really impressed at people who are able to have the dedication to teach themselves and work on it every single day without a, like a really strong motivator, like a three month boot camp. So, but then, yeah, after my boot camp, I was a junior software developer at a company here in Atlanta for about seven months. And then after that, I moved to Cyprus. So I've been at Cyprus since January, 2020. And um, kind of started off as a support engineer and have been wear a lot of hats, like that startup life, like DC mentioned. Um, but typically, we're doing everything from, you know, from working with directly with customers on their software, on their testing code, and doing webinars, writing documentation, handling some of our internal systems and communications, actually coding things. Like, you know, sometimes I have to make updates to it, their API to integrate with other systems. And so it's been, um, it's, it's been a really cool experience and definitely something that I'm really glad that I ended up doing that boot camp and changing careers because like Daisy was talking about, I didn't necessarily have like that passion. And I, I kind of would like work at a company for a while. It was going well. I liked it. But then another company would like reach out or I'd see a job thing and I'd be like, well, I'm kind of bored. Like, let's see what that's about. And, you know, for the first time, I really feel like I'm solving good problems. I'm doing great work. I'm working with really awesome people and getting to be part of a really great community. So I love it. Um, Women Who Code is also an organization that's helped me a lot when I started with my career. Um, once I noticed that in their newsletter, they had a section on conference speaking opportunities looking for more diverse representation. And I definitely got a few of my initial speaking opportunities once at a conference in Amsterdam through them. Um, I'd love to hear more about, you know, your work with the organization as well as other ones like out in tech to help underrepresented groups get into tech. Yeah, definitely. So um, when I first came to Atlanta and I was exploring kind of the boot camp, I reached out to women who code Atlanta and I got on the Slack and I kind of just started asking questions like, hey, like, has anyone done this before? Like, what do you think? Um, can I get some advice? And I was overwhelmed by how supportive and positive everybody was like um somebody like got on a phone call with me and asked me questions and talked me through it um i talked it's just um some people were like oh make sure that you do this this and this on top of the like they're like learn github like learn git make sure that you figure like know how to do that kind of stuff and um it was something that once i went through my boot camp i was actually able to start like 
speaking with them. So women who code um, front end, uh, Jennifer Ponder, who was with the Women at Co Code Atlanta, became the track lead for Women Who Code Front End, which is a global track for you know for people everywhere. Um, gave me my first speaking opportunity, and it was kind of just um, about my transition from 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 one stack to another. So my boot camp, I did JavaScript. My first job was CSharp.net. So I talked a little bit about just kind of that transition and that I really just kind of fell in love with speaking and with being able to talk to the community and hearing feedback from people and saying like, oh, like, that's great. Like this made me feel more motivated to do it myself or make me feel like I could do it too. And I really wanted to capitalize on that and feel like I could maybe give other people the same feeling that they gave me. And so I became a full-time, like not, well, it's not full-time, but like I became a volunteer, like officially um, like a track volunteer with the Women Who Code Front End, started doing like a lot of different events. Like we kind of were doing Front End Fridays for a while, which is like a study group on Slack, uh, done a couple of different webinars. I did one recently on stepping up your GitHub game. I've done them on, on testing, you know, with, with Cypress. I've done them on a couple of different topics. And I actually did a talk about giving a talk. So it's a tech talk workshop teaching people how to do this same thing. And I always encourage people that, you know, giving a talk about something is the best way to learn and really, and it's a really great way to force yourself to dive deep into a topic. But then it also really makes you feel like part of the community. And that's been a huge motivator for me, especially being like a queer woman of color in the tech industry, kind of, you know, for the first time, also being a career switcher, non-traditional background, kind of, um, there's a lot of things that can make you feel isolated in those situations. And having communities like Women Who Code, um, and then also Out in Tech, which is another organization that I volunteer with. Um, Out in Tech supports the LGBTQ plus community in tech. We started the Atlanta chapter, one of the founding members of the Atlanta chapter in October of 2019. So as you can imagine, 2020 um, hit us pretty hard with our local events, but we've uh, transitioned to kind of doing a lot of online events with Out in Tech. We recently had a, we, with our women's committee, we started a new women's committee this year and we had our first event it was a Laughing Matters. It was a, a comedy event. So we had um, kind of like a queer women comedy uh, comedians come on and we and they are all actually some of them used to work in tech so they were making tech jokes and it was just um a really great way to feel like if, especially working from home like if you don't have that in person to be able to have that area and that state that like space to be yourself and to talk about those kinds of things so um it's really just been like an honor honestly I feel very fortunate that people keep trusting me to do this kind of stuff uh, so uh like what you're saying about um like uh, the talks are a good way to learn. So I have been coding professionally for maybe two months. Um, I was an apprentice at this dot and Tracy Lee reached out and said, Hey, do you want to give a talk on TypeScript? Like, we know you really like TypeScript. I'm like, I'm a junior. How am I going to teach people about TypeScript? And I was under the impression that, you know, there's better videos out there and all of this stuff. And again, like the imposter syndrome, so hard, um, you know, going from one career to another and like, you know, being self-taught. And I mean, I try to tell people imposter syndrome, like everybody has, it doesn't matter how long you've been, uh, you know, in your field for, but again, like I, I kind of thought that they made a mistake inviting me. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm just, you know, I'm gonna leave it on the back burner until it, until it comes. And, you know, I might just end up declining later on. And, 
I'm so glad I didn't. I learned so much about TypeScript and, you know, so much about myself and like my husband and I like paired on the presentation. Like he, you know, I would give him the talk and say, okay, how, how does this sound? And so we kind of like tweaked things and it was so great to, you know, to be able to like work together on that. But again, like go out of my comfort shell and I fell in love with giving talks after that. But yeah, like you said, I mean, that's a great way to learn. Yeah, it's actually funny. I I am back in Atlanta now and I'm fully vaccinated. So I was able to catch up with some people I hadn't seen in a while. And one of them is Angel Banks from Women Who Code Atlanta. She's also a program manager at Microsoft, but she was she actually gave me my very first conference gig um, at NG Alt, but she calls it like conference-driven development, or basically it's you commit to a conference talk. You may not know it at the time, but you are gonna get there. And I after that I was able I was asked to speak at a at a conference for Ionic, which is a mobile development framework um, cross platform, and I was like, well, I, like you know, I can probably talk about something, but I'm not sure. But like her words were in my mind, and so I went ahead and went for it, and ended up being like a really great opportunity. And I talked about Ionic and Cypress at the same time. But I when I saw her recently, I was like, Angel, like your voice was in my head, and I've just been saying yes to things and and learning things because of it. And um, just like another example of how when you get that kind of encouragement from people early on, it can just um, like it's exponential, right? It like pays dividends continuing on and on um, just by like, like, like you don't even, and she's like, oh, I don't even remember saying that. I was like, oh, it like changed me. Like, you know, it was really great. So um, yeah, so that's the same thing though. It's just kind of, you commit to something, maybe you'll get there. Hopefully you do. And usually, and you know, so far it's worked out. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Kind of going off of the conferences, a question that I, I've always thought of is what advice would you give to someone who does want to do a conference but is too frightened to be thought of less of a developer, especially if they're not confident enough on the topic, but they still want to try? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. So a couple of things that like helped me. Number one, well, so I, I, I kind of give this caveat that I'm a pretty comfortable speaker. You know, I did journalism. I got a marketing degree. And so uh, that part I was, wasn't as nervous about, but the content, like coming up with like, am I going to know what I'm talking about? Am I going to sound intelligent? Am I going to sound knowledgeable? Um, that part I definitely was nervous about. And so one of the things was definitely starting with something that I felt like I knew really well, like something I had just learned. So like I said, my first talk was about transitioning from JavaScript to C Sharp and the things that I kind of had had to learn in that experience. It was something I had just gone through. It was very fresh in my mind and I was able to mind that. The other thing that I've heard people say is doing things like a lightning talk, which is just like a five minute talk or being part of a panel. So if you're able to be on a panel where you can essentially play off of the other people's responses and chip in when you like, oh, I definitely know that answer. I can hop on that. And uh, that's one of the things at NGComp uh, Enterprise, I was on a like, testing and quality panel and it was great because everybody else there was very experienced and I could hop in when I needed to. But um, that kind of gave me that initial confidence boost was, you know, focusing on something I knew really well, lightning talks and panels. And then from there, you kind of get a sense of, OK, you know, you can kind of go from there and build off of it. And then the other thing is just I like practicing a lot. I had um, even when I was interviewing for companies, I had um, a friend who 
like he offered to get on a call with me, have me walk through things like um, Randall at Cyprus watched my Ionicomp like practice run video for me, even though it was like, it was like a 45 minute video. He watched the entire thing and gave me feedback, you know, so um, that helps a lot as well to just help you overcome that initial, like the first, the first two minutes are the absolute worst. The first two minutes, your heart's racing. You feel like you're going to like pass out. Um, but once you get past that, it gets much, much easier. So I don't know if you've experienced the same things, uh, Christina and Daisy. <laughs> yeah. So my TypeScript talk, it was, uh, it wasn't a conference. Uh, it's called JavaScript Marathon, uh, which was hosted by the Stott. And even though I am a communications major and I know how to like give a public speaking and I have the interpersonal communications, being in front of a computer, not seeing your audience is probably like the hardest thing I've ever had to do because uh, I had a set time. I think I had 45 minutes to give this talk and I cannot see, you know, like I said, the audience's faces, are they shaking their head? Are they like understanding? Like you, you don't see any of that. So it's really, really strange to, to give this big talk, you know, kind of like to yourself. Um, also because the, the, live chats are a little bit behind. Um, you know, you can say, oh, hey, how is the speed? However, it's going to be, uh, you know, a couple seconds before you get a response. So uh, very nerve wracking. But yeah, like you said, those first two minutes are the worst. Um, in my video, I'm like spinning in my chair the whole time because I was so nervous. And then I finally like got into that, like that zone where I, I just kind of forgot what I was doing and that like what, um, yeah, it was so crazy. I did get invited to be a panelist uh, next month. At, I think it's the Mag Magnolia JS conference. Uh, so I'm really excited because I've never like spoke at a conference. So I'm glad you said that that's a good segue to start speaking. Yeah, I mean, I am was flattered and excited and I'm Hopefully, like the, the two minutes are not going to be as nerve wracking as the first talk I gave. Oof. Yeah. Uh, when I was giving my first talk, which um, actually was a proposal that uh, my a senior engineer on my team was, he originally got the slot, but he couldn't make it. He helped me practice for hours on the talk until I got it right. Um, and I was confident giving it then it gets a lot easier. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot of repetition and it's it's also like another skill set, right? Talking to a person, even if it's a stranger, some people find that very intimidating versus talking to a whole group, even if it's online or in person. It's it's always a skill and it's always that mental the that mental drive that you have to give yourself almost to like, okay, I can do this, you know, I've had people look at my stuff. I got the AOK. -okay. I'm not sure if I want to go out there, but I got to go out there. So hearing all this advice, it's it's wonderful to hear that uh, we all share that um, that same kind of almost fear and intimidation. And I'm hoping that the advice that was given today is going to be helpful for the listeners that we have today. So thank you. I do want to. I do have a question um, that I'm hoping that I say it correctly. So bear with me. Going. Uh, Returning back to underrepresented groups, um, Cecilia, have you seen common obstacles that um, during your time that maybe you can provide advice on how you can push past those? And, and you know, of course, this could be for anyone uh, in this group as we're all underrepresented as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So 
I definitely, you know, have some caveats in that I'm, un, I'm underrepresented. Like I, you know, like I said, queer woman of color in tech, but at the same time, I also have an undergraduate degree and an MBA, you know, I have like 10 years of, of work experience in other fields. So I think everybody is going to have their, like the, the kind of just different types of experiences, but from kind of from working with people. So one of the things that I do a lot is I, people will reach out to me and they'll say, Hey, like you went to a boot camp, like what's your experience been like? And I do these kind of mentorship calls and help them because uh, one of the things that I found is just the lack of knowledge in your own community. So um, for example, a friend of mine is currently in law school and he was talking about how like he everybody else seems to just like inherently know like this application process or like you're supposed to negotiate, um, you know, like your financial aid package and all of these things that if you come from a community where other people also go to law school and they know these things, or if you come from a background where you're talking to other engineers and you know what those processes are like, then you kind of have that context already. Whereas if you're in a coming from an underrepresented community, uh, sometimes it's just hard because you don't know what you don't know and people aren't inclined to tell you. So you have to essentially find those spaces and find those communities where you're able to get that information. So like for, for one of the things with out in tech that we talk about is when do you come out during the interview process? You know, if you're, if you're, if you're trans, like what pronouns do you use? And then when do you bring up like, a, your, like the name, if they have a different name that you like a dead name or anything like that. Um, we talk a lot about those kinds of things because those are just experiences that you're not going to have context for um, until you go through them yourselves. And there's not always other people to ask until you, find a community like out in tech and you can say, Hey, like, you know, how do I do this? Like, it's the first time I'm applying for a new job in tech and I want to apply as myself, you know, uh, what does that look like? When did you bring it up? And then you can get answers for that. Um, so essentially like a lot of that is just for the things that I, the challenges that I've seen and people have told me is just not necessarily having a place to turn to ask those types of questions. And then just also the intense imposter syndrome, right? Like we all talk about it and do people say that everybody feels it, but I think it also gets compounded when you do have um, that intersectionality perhaps of being like a woman, maybe like with a non-traditional background and you feel like you have all these things stacked against you. Um, whereas I found that those types, like that actually gives you such a wealth of experiences that you can bring to a company. And so, for example, like, and bring to a community too. So like now I'm able to talk to people about what my experience was like and help them. And they may not have had that opportunity or could get it from somebody else. So those are definitely some of the challenges that I've seen. And, and in addition to, like, I personally have had a really great experience. I've been very lucky to find a company like Cypress that has a really great culture. You know, I'm, I'm definitely like out and I'm, I'm, I mean, I found it out in tech Atlanta. So, you know, it's a, uh, you can't really get more out than that, but uh, it's definitely one of the reasons why I also wanted to go into tech in general from finance, because uh, just kind of a, a little bit different um, culture, you know, more opportunities like out in tech and, and women who code that to have that kind of support. But definitely finding your finding your people, finding your community can be is is a really great way to understand like, oh, yeah, like other people have done this. They can give me guidance and I can get there, too. Hey, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top five percent of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more 
get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. Yeah, it's so important, yeah, to, you know, ask for that help. So uh, I was really fortunate. Um, my husband was already in the industry. Um, a lot of our friends were. However, um, when I was getting ready to, to start applying, my husband was like, look, like you should join some of these like women in tech groups because he's like, I don't know how it is for you to get into the industry. Like he's like, I've he heard horror stories about women in tech. And he's like, but I haven't seen firsthand. Um, his, um, his companies had, you know, I mean, I think smallish uh, engineering uh, teams and they just didn't have uh, women on the teams at that point. And so I joined some groups. Uh, now I will say not all groups are the same, but I found some amazing ones like the, the women in code groups. Uh, amazing. Um, I also was a part of the front end boxes. Um, I found people that had similar backgrounds, maybe a partner, spouse, whatever was also in engineering. And so I could talk about that because what I was worried about is people are going to ask me, did you write that or your husband? And I was so nervous to tell people that my husband was the one that, that helped me and taught me because I didn't want anybody to take my education away from me or, or question it. Um, I, I mean, I've had a few people that tell me like, oh, you don't look like an engineer or it must have been easy for you to have, you know, someone else in the household. So my obstacles were very different. It wasn't, I think, because I was like just, uh, you know, a woman, it was because I had somebody else in the house that also did it. Um, and at first I was really nervous. I mean, when I got my apprenticeship at the stud, I did not tell them about my husband and it was really hard for me to go through the interview and essentially kind of lie about how I got into this passion. Um, I've now been more confident and, and tell people. Um, and I think, you know, if they are not happy with, you know, me having another engineer in the house and I don't want to work for them anyways. So why am I going to hide who I truly, you know, truly am? And like, like I said, my, my story. So yeah, no, I mean, I feel like we all have our own, yeah, obstacles and experiences, but like reaching out to a, a group where you can, identify or, you know, um, have that was the empathy. Uh, yeah, I think that's so important. Sincerely, yeah. Um, what are some of the cultural values or elements of your workplace that uh, really make you feel integrated and excited to be there every day? Yeah, so uh, one of the things about Cypress, and we talked about this like during my interview, is that they really believe in like bringing your authentic self to work. Uh, which is really important to me, um, especially coming from an industry where I felt like I really couldn't be, to be that and be myself. And another thing is being able to come in and just do a lot of things, right? So I, it's, a, it's a startup, so you wear a lot of hats. But uh, like I said, I got the opportunity to speak at Ionicomp about Cyprus um, and like different conferences, even though I was a success engineer and that's 
really not like, you know, necessarily part of my job description, but the opportunity. And they also are really, have always been really supportive of my community work. That was something that they actually uh, told me that was one of the reasons that they liked about me is that I was so involved with the community and they wanted to be able to kind of also like, so Cypress is an Atlanta company, you know, they want to be like, we're involved with like Atlanta JavaScript and we've had Atlanta JavaScript meetups at our office. And uh, actually the first time I I met Tracy Lee in person was at here at the Cypress office um, for one of the talks here. And so it's just, um, something that I feel like it's, they kind of like walk the walk in addition to talking the talk, which is hard to do for startups sometimes, you know, when you're so focused on just um, getting, getting done what you need to get done. Uh, Also, there's like a, just, it's a very kind of transparent and honest culture. Um, A lot of things happen like in public, you know, you can see the Slack messages, like a lot of discussions and decisions get made where people can have input. Um, And that's something like, it's just, it's just a really great place to be. Um, and something that I think aligned with what really what I was looking for. And so, um, yeah, and it's like, I definitely, we've, it's been really, we've had a really great time. You know, I'm definitely like, I tell people all the time, like I'm like a Cypress fan girl because it's just been such a great experience. Um, and being, being able to feel like I can be myself and I can do the work that I want to do with the community and, and not feel like it's in the way or anything like that. So, and then I I wanted to say kind of like to Daisy's point too, about uh, when you mentioned that kind of question, like, oh, like, is like, did you write that? Or did your husband write that? Um, That did happen to me at at an interview one time at a company in Atlanta where he was looking at my GitHub repo and he's like, oh, like you have a lot of commits in here, but like that doesn't, it seems like you don't have as many projects. And I was like, oh, well, I did this uh, pre-bootcamp prep course and every exercise that you do creates a commit because it's linked to your GitHub account. And he was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. He was like, I thought maybe you like wrote a script to like beef up your numbers or something like that. And I was like, no, didn't didn't do that. <laughs> like, you know, so like, you know, there are kind of, you come across those types of um, like, I don't know if they're like microaggressions or whatever, but um like anything like that, that can kind of like chip against, they chip against you. And so like, I definitely understand kind of wanting to protect yourself from that because anything, when you're already feeling that imposter syndrome, if somebody says something like that to you is going to kind of just like make you feel a little smaller. Right. And so if you can do things to protect yourself against that in like the interview process and, you know, obviously like don't work at companies that are going to do that anyway, you know, like bullet dodged. Right. But definitely something that happens, uh, Daisy. So you're not the only one. Jeez, yeah, I, I, you know, being very, in my opinion, very fresh to the industry and not having much experience um, in interviews and whatnot, to hear stories like these, it's very discouraging and very saddening, um, especially since, you know, females already have so much hard time, you know, trying to get into that door. And, you know, it. I feel like in that situation to be very depressed um, and having like almost a mentor, hearing other people's experiences of like, do you really want to work there when, you know, I've worked at an X company and they're so much more open and they're so much nicer. Not every, every company does that. So, you know, I want to say thank you, um, both of you for sharing that. I know it's even sharing it could be very, you know, frightening. So again, thank you so much. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can continue working on a, a better path. I know it's going to be it's going to be a journey, but speaking about it is, is definitely, in my opinion, one of the first steps getting there. Kind of looping back to um, software testing, I do want to ask Cecilia, 
for someone who's interested in software testing, maybe they're new to development or maybe they're trying to jump from software engineer to testing, what advice would you give them on that, especially if they're not really sure the importance of testing, they've seen snippets, but they want more? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. So um, so I did like half a day of testing in my boot camp. You know, it was definitely not something that I had any experience with. And then at this company that I did software um, development work for, it was the same kind of a thing. Like they didn't require testing whenever you pushed code. It just wasn't part of the culture there. Uh, so at Cyprus, I'm able to talk to like, like every day I'm talking to developers, to companies, um, and some of them are, you know, we have this massive test suite that we're bringing over from a different tool to somebody who's like, you know, I'm a CTO, I just graduated and I'm starting my own company and I want to have some tests for my product and I don't know how to do it. And what, uh, what we've kind of talked about a lot is that getting start to get started, like testing is really about confidence, right? So it's basically the confidence that you're going to put something out there and it's going to work the way that you expect it to work and that your user is going to be able to click around and do what they need to do. And the, the fastest way to like get that kind of confidence and to get that initial experience with it is something kind of like an end-to-end test or a front-end test where you are essentially running your application and you're treating your act, you're going through it like a user would, but in an automated way. So essentially, you know, where your user would type, where it would click, where it would navigate to different pages, that's essentially the process. So you can start off with something where if you have like a login screen, you update your profile, you make a purchase. If you know that those things are working and you know that your app can is will work, that will make money for you, right? I always call it like the money path because if that doesn't work, you don't get paid. <laughs> um, you know, things like that, you can kind of get started. And, um, you know, I won't like plug Cypress. It is, it's it's free and open source. So you absolutely can get started with it. Um, very like easy to get started with, but that can be a much less kind of cumbersome approach than starting off with like, for example, unit tests, because you have to write a lot of unit tests to get the same coverage. And unit tests are made for individual components, like, like parts of code, right? And then the only difference, and so that's kind of like a different approach, obviously, like there's a lot of value in that as well, but it can feel like a lot if you're like, okay, I have to write 80 unit tests, or I can write one end-to-end test and kind of have the same level of confidence or a similar level of confidence. Um, So that's like a really great way that I've seen people get started and get up and running. Um, There's a lot of resources out there as well. Like I've done some talks, (laughs) if you like just Google Cecilia Cyprus. can definitely find some as well. But really, like I said, it's about that confidence because I don't know if you, I I mean, like everyone, when I was in my boot camp, we had the dev server running and we're just refreshing the page, clicking around. Oh, that broke. Okay, fix the code, refresh the page, run it again. And, you know, uh, over time, that's just like a very cumbersome process, right? But that's essentially what you're recreating is like you're clicking through the things. Oh, it broke. Okay, I got to fix it. But you're just doing it in an automated way um, to be able to give you that confidence. But it's uh, it's something like I said, like I didn't have a lot of experience, but I was able to. Now I'm at the point where, like a year later, helping other people with like do with their code and with their tests and understanding what to write tests for. And uh, it's been yeah, it's been really like really interesting experience to see how much value people get out of it. Um, people are like, oh, we found three bugs. Like you know, we introduced a new test and we found some bugs. Or people who are like, oh, I was you know, doing manual testing and it was such a pain. And now like in like five minutes, my entire test suite runs and I know I'm good to go. So I think that that's where we've seen the value of it. And uh, yeah, and it's also, you learn a lot about how 
applications are designed and developed, right? Because you have to really, like once you start testing your app, then you really understand how it works. Because you're like, I clicked on this, like, why isn't it doing it? It's like, oh, because the hook didn't fun doesn't function unless I do this first. And then you kind of um, really helps you just better understand software, like software development and web development in general, so. I like how you explained the intent test versus the like unit test. Uh, when I first started, I wrote a bunch of unit tests and I felt like I had to say like, oh, I ex expect this to happen, but does not expect this to happen. So you have to like check so much and you're right. Like you, you test each component and the intent test, um, uh, my company used Cypress and it was so easy. So I'm going <laughs> to, you know, name drop Cypress in there. So if you said you won't, I just love the readability. I feel like, I mean, it's super easy to understand. And it was really easy for me to like jump in and get started writing tests like ASAP. So, and putting run my test and then seeing it go through the browser. It's like the coolest thing ever. I'm, I'm probably a nerd, but I love it. So yeah, really easy. It's okay. Fellow testing nerd here. I totally get it. <laughs> Speaking of unit tests, I saw that um, Cypress just came out with a component tester in alpha. Um, and one of the lead engineers working on the product is also a woman. Could you tell me a bit more about that product? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, uh, so that's Jessica Sachs. Um, she's an engineering manager at Cypress. And um, she came to Cypress. And I was actually like really excited um, because... I, I like I like followed her on Twitter because she's also a, a contributor to Vue. So she's involved with the open source community already. She's like really involved with Vue. Um, and so essentially kind of started building out this team and and developing component testing as an entirely new uh, version. Like it's a it's this whole additional part of the open source te Cypress test runner. And I didn't we I hadn't done a lot of component testing. Uh, one of the people on the team, uh, Lachlan Miller actually wrote a book about um, design patterns for Vue.js and it's about test-driven development for component testing and for kind of like how you test your components in Vue. And that's kind of, uh, it's a really great, highly recommend it, but that's um, how I started to get a little bit more up to speed with what the, like what this new version of Cypress will do. Um, and Jess actually recently gave a talk at Vue, at ViewConf um, about the Cypress component testing and seeing it in action is just like really cool. But essentially, the thing about Cypress that's a little bit that's different is that you have that a graphical user interface that lets you see the tests run and let you see your application under test at the different stages of the test. So the component testing, usually it looks like unit tests where you get the little output in the console, it just says it passed or failed. So now you have that visual representation for your component. So it's mounting the component visually in a browser, you can see it. And one of the nice things about it too is kind of what we we're talking about earlier, where you're testing your app locally and making changes to the code and fixing it, is now you can have that experience not only when you're testing, but also when you're developing your components too. So you can say, like, if I do change this button, like does that change the test? Like if I change this prop going into my rack, rack component, how does that render differently? Um, and so it's a, it's really, really exciting. I've been at Cypress now um, long enough that we've I've seen some milestones, you know, like I was here when Firefox support released, and then um, so now this is like an obvious, like another big milestone and just really excited to see the initial, the initial feedback. And, you know, I had nothing to do with it, but I like to be like, yeah, I'm part of the team, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. So, and it's really great to, that it is, you know, uh, that just, you know, obviously like very 
like community driven person, Jess um, does a lot of conference talks involved with Vue, um, now involved with Cypress, our open source product. So uh, it's definitely very, very motivating and inspirational to be the company, you know, like that. So definitely. And we're almost wrapping up, but I do want to ask Cecilia one last question. Any tips, advice, suggestions you would like to provide our, to our listeners? Yeah, so um, I already mentioned um, like Lachlan's book about um, design patterns for Vue.js. Um, in general, I love Vue. I actually just started learning it last year because we ended up with a couple of um, Vue.js like members on our team. And so I was like, I should probably learn Vue <laughs> so I can keep up. But um, and then additionally, though, one of the things that I like helped me out from the beginning was I this site, diversifytech.co, they have, uh, Christina, you mentioned kind of the uh, women who code newsletter with the conference talking um, opportunities. And this site does the same thing. They have conference talk opportunities. They also have conference scholarship opportunities. So when I was in my boot camp, I got scholarships to attend two conferences, one in Denver, one in Austin. And that was just hugely motivating for me, getting to meet other people who are already working in tech and talk to them and be like, oh, they're real people just like me, like I can do this. Um, and that was something that was just like a really great opportunity. Uh, now I know like obviously COVID last year, there's not a lot of in-person conferences, but hopefully moving forward, um, you know, that can help people again. And there's a lot of also just really great online opportunities as well, including scholarships for boot camps too. So if it's something where you are looking for like, for an opportunity to do a boot camp, they have uh, scholarship opportunities and also entry level uh, friendly job postings. And she also um, vets all the job postings against like a questionnaire to make sure that they would be compatible for diverse candidates. So these are jobs that are essentially have already been vetted and are going to be welcoming and inclusive, which I think is, was, is which is such a great idea. Like I love that that exists. So I'll post that in the uh, in the notes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, it's funny. We were just talking to some individuals about how to get to conferences because they're so expensive. And I feel like the it's almost a lack of discussion when it comes to knowing where to get those funding. So thank you so much again for making a point that there is, you know, companies and other sources that they can use to get those scholarships. Um, with that, I would like to go over to the next section of the podcast, which is the staff's picks. Hey, are you looking to join a team that gets to work on really cool projects, great technology stacks like React, Gatsby, Contentful, AWS, and tons more? Similar things for Vue and Angular. If you're looking to grow in your career, work with an inclusive team that cares about their culture, and be part of something that you can be passionate about, then you should apply to work at this.labs. They focus on giving back to the community and having their developers do things like write blog posts and be on podcasts to help them enrich their careers as well. They're currently looking for engineering managers, senior architects, and senior software developers in React, Vue, and Angular. So if you're interested, send an email to jobs at this.co. For any of the new listeners, uh, Staff Picks is just something unique or to ourselves that we, we really want to share to our listeners and to our co-guests co slash hosts, geez, speak. Um, so I'll go with that said, I'll go first. Um, and so what I have today is a tea set. Um, Jesus, it's not going to show. It's called, <laughs> let me just describe it. It's called um, Harney and Sons and it's a chocolate mint black tea. Um, it's a loose leaf in like a little like tin can. Um, 
one of the reasons why I went with this was I not too much of a fan of tea bags um, for the longest time, just for the fact that there are not many compostable versions of them and the compostable versions. I mean, they, they still compost, but I, I feel like I could have done more to it. So I'm testing out the loose leaf uh, versions of it. And uh, I feel like this was the coolest option because I get a tin can and it comes with cool flavors like the chocolate mint. And so far it's pretty cool. Um, so that is my staff pick for this today. Nice. So I'm reading a book right now called Ask Your Developers by the Twilio CEO. I first came across it when I was listening to the A16Z podcast on the topic, and it just gave me so much new perspective and ideas on how to drive product decisions by talking more to the end users, as well as how developers thrive in environments where they give you autonomy where you can unleash your creativity and so on. Recommend it. My pick, you know, those that have listened, I've been doing a lot of like subscription boxes and stuff. That's not this week. I just sold my car this week. And uh, so paid off my car and was just like, I need something bigger because I have two dogs and, you know, my husband and we loved a road trip. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to sell it. Uh, I did it with Carvana, y'all the easiest process ever. I'm not saying this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, uh, what is it? They're, they're not a sponsor. I'm not affiliated with them, but the easiest process ever. It took maybe like 15 minutes to sell my car, got money the day they picked it up. Super easy. So if you're looking to sell your car, I recommend Carvana. Don't know about their buying process, but selling your car. Yeah. Super easy. Awesome. Actually, a friend of mine just bought a car from Carvana and she loved it as well. So it sounds like that. Uh, I'm not in the market for any, anything anytime soon, but I have to keep it in mind. So uh, yeah. Awesome. I kind of gave a couple of picks earlier, but I guess the only other thing that I'd want to say is um, kind of like um, working with, a, I'm kind of like a new project coming that I'm kind of excited about. Can't give too many details about it yet, but um, working with Brooke Avery and Eric Slack on a kind of new Angular podcast that's uh, going to be a little bit different than what's out there currently. So if you want to kind of get a sneak peek of what that's and kind of be aware of what's coming down the down the pipe there, it's just angularexperience.dev. So uh, yeah, so it's kind of wanted to give a quick shout out to that and uh, so keep an eye out for that. Thank you. And I will be looking into that because all the links that everyone always provides during these podcasts are really awesome. So thank you everyone for being here. Um, And I hope the listeners had a great time listening to us. And just uh, closing uh, again, my name is Maria Loza. You can find me on Twitter using the handler, this underscore underscore Maria. Cecilia, if you don't mind going next. Yeah, absolutely. So again, I'm Cecilia Martinez. I'm a technical account manager at Cyprus. You can find me on Twitter at Cecilia Creates. I'm also, I have a website, CeciliaCreates.com. So if you ever want to check out some of my blog posts or get in touch with me there. My Twitter handle is Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-Y-U-1-2-3. You can find me there and welcome to DM me with questions. And my name is Daisy Nolan, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daisy underscore Nolan. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful day. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. 
Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Bandwidth for... 